Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 85 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Colin Phoenix Defire Ford, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode is, well, Head of Health and Safety, the man whose pauses make us breathless with anticipation, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Twilight Hour. <laughs> uh, also, How are you, Colin? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. <laughs> also joining us tonight is the man who puts the big and round in the sound. It's Commander Chris Jarvis. Hello. I was just trying not to pancake into the sun there. Oh, well, <laughs> but you don't want to do a fossa just so quickly, do you? Now? <laughs> no, quite. And also keeping quiet in the background, which is a first, we have Grand Psycho Cow Wilcott. Good evening! Yes, oh, and it's not Halloween anymore, is it? No, I'm afraid to say Halloween has passed. You can no longer pele with your ghoulies. <sighs> yes. <laughs> right. On that wonderful note, if you wish you can join us, we're not actually hanging out live in Leave Station tonight. Uh, I think everybody is dispersed that far across the galaxy. It would have been impossible for us all to make it back in time. However, we are available in IRC, on the, the IRC chat channel, hash Lave Radio on QuakeNet, and you can access that through the Lave Radio page. Or you can tweet us on Lave, at Lave Radio with questions, and we'll try and answer them towards the show. So, folks, we'll start with Chris. What have you been up to this week? I was going to say, I will be uh, outside Lave Station if I can just stop doing a loop of shame. And actually, uh, <laughs> the problem is, I, I, saw, I saw the station coming up and I moved the joystick and nothing happened. And I realised it's because I'd clicked on the um, chat window. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't actually focused on the game at all. Um, so you've, yeah. al- you've almost gone into a sun once and now you're doing a loop of shame. Basically, yeah, I'm for discovering how hard it is to do multiple things at once. Um, yeah, this week I've had a, a quite a busy week, actually, because I've been putting together the details for the Escape Velocity uh, 12-hour stream, which I'll be talking about later. Um, and I also thought that I'd better get round to um, installing the SSD I bought for my PC. Um, so I finally did that last night and this morning. And I have to say, it is sweet. If you don't have a solid-state drive in your PC... Uh, at the very least for your operating system um, you know get it on there because it's just it's brilliant I've, I've gone from um, I've gone from restarting my PC and then going and making myself a cup of tea to actually <laughs> rebooting it and sort of sitting and waiting patiently for it because it happened so quickly um, and actually it was much less moving moving my drive across was much less painless than I thought it was going to be um, and in other news the um, Kickstarter for Chaos Reborn audio drama, which I might talk about again later, um, has been going very well, and um, we are 
on, I think, like 93% of our initial total for episode one. Um, so I'm really hoping that if I talk about Chaos Reborn uh, in a little bit, that lots and lots of people listening to the show live will go and uh, back it and get snag themselves some nice USB cards, game licenses and CDs, and maybe we'll hit our initial goal tonight during the show, because that would be very nice. Okay, at this point, I would just like to say to Mr. Simon Wilcott, who'll be well, he'll be listening to this, you now have to drink four fingers worth of very strong whiskey. We'll have you pissed by the end of the show. How, how, right. many, how many keywords uh, did I mention? Uh, you've, miss, you, you've, you've mentioned twice so far, and I think we should... If you just mention a few more things about Chaos Reborn, I'm quite sure he'll be absolutely hammered <laughs> in about ten minutes. <laughs> awesome. So, Ben... What have you been up to this week? There'll be palladium and then there rocks. I've been mining. Mining. Manically. Yeah. Sp- space fishing. <laughs> mm. And how have you been yeah. finding it now that it's been overhauled a little bit? I hate fishing and I'm not that big a fan of mining. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, to be honest, it is a lot, lot better than it was. Um... It's still dollars heck, which is why it's space fishing. Um, so you are not been interrupted but, by pirates at, at any point, or have you been found a nice little quiet pool? Oh, I, I've got a sneaky little thing to do that basically, you know, you go to your pristine ring, but instead of dropping into the resource extraction site, you drop a little bit out of it, and then no one's ever going to find you there. Mm, I see. Well, uh, how about outside your your game? Outside my game, I've done absolutely sweet Fanny Adams. Oh, actually, that's a lie. That's a lie. I, I went and watched the rugby, didn't I? I, I saw the uh, New Zealand versus um, Australia match and enjoyed several beers. Only several? Only several. Oh. It was only 80-odd uh, minutes. Yeah, true. True. So, so Mr. Wilcott... What have you been up to this week? Well, well, I was doing some little tuitions in how to host a, a live radio call, uh, and tonight Chris Jarvis is putting all that uh, into practice, which is good news, um, and seems to be so far, cross fingers, it's going well for him, which is great, and Fozza was, he's all prepped and hopefully ready to go and do that too. Um, it's been a week of obviously catching up with bits of work. Uh, my grand's flat sale is now pretty much confirmed but it means that something, one of those unfortunate things where you go, right, okay, well, okay, so I need to get the house totally emptied um, by this, this weekend, so I've got everything organised, and then I get a message through from one of the Kickstarters, the Stag Do, and it's premiere this, this weekend that I've got a night out to go to, and I'm going to have to cancel it. So I had to send my apologies to them because I'm going to have to empty my grand's flat. It's going on auction. So they need to get photographs of it emptied. Then I got a phone call tonight which stepped it up even further because it sounds like they've had an offer of sale, which is great. Um, So that'll be something amazing to get off my back. Um, So it's been just paperwork, lawyers, solicitors, that. Then I've been doing some running around on Monday was just like, oh, crikey, doctors, um, specialists uh, with regards to the property, meeting them at the house, and then running to tip. Just kind of like, you know the way that sometimes you, you get things done 
and at the end of the day you've done tons of things that are really unimportant and don't do anything good for you and you sit there going oh but today today was really really different today i went and saw some kittens oh oh you do realize that the latest research shows that your cat does want to kill you yes just just thought i'd put that up in there just well well it was it was it was an interesting experience because obviously you know, I recently lost our cats and um, I was always intending on getting either one or two cats to replace them, but I wanted to go for the you know, the breed that I kind of enjoy, which is the British Shorthair. It's a lovely natured cat uh, and just really good with children. Not that we've got any young children uh, hanging around particularly much. <laughs> but what was interesting apart from was, yourself, Grant. Apart from myself, yeah, I'm, I'm bound to get bitten and scratched to hell. But the the, the, the father of the kittens was one of the most uh, brazen, um, demanding cat I have ever met. It made my cat look positively, you know, withdrawn. Uh, and essentially, you know, if you didn't give him enough attention, well, he'd climb up you. <laughs> thing. And, uh, you know, he's clawing your hand, going and moving your hand where he wants you to scratch. You're thinking, oh, for goodness sake, it's high maintenance cat. Beautiful, absolutely stunning. And so they've got a sort of nice little litter of, I think, eight kittens, and they're lilac colored. There's a blue, British short hair, which is stunning. And then there's a little cream, and they are all four weeks old. So they should be coming to join us. In the Wolcott household, two of them, a little lilac and a little cream one, just after Christmas, which would be lovely. Oh, that's, that's a nice heartwarming story. It is. I thought I'd put some pictures up on Facebook and show people these beautiful kittens. <coughs> and they're all beautiful, you know, British short hairs and stunning little cats. Really, really nice. And um, a certain Mobius put up, kill it with fire. Ah, uh, well, I, I think you should put a lot more of these kittens on the forum just to calm people down a bit. Just well, yes, to let them chill. Because there does seem to be a little bit of angst on the forums. Oh, well, there always seems to be angst on the forums. Um, as far as myself, well, um, let's see. I'm still coming down after Fantasticon. Um, uh, I've put up a battle report for the X-Wings miniature game onto the forum, so people can see how the game's played out and how they, uh, uh, what the results were, uh, some of which were extremely uh, amusing. Uh, special shout-out goes to John Hoggard for managing to die twice, uh, one of which times he wasn't even in his own ship. So, you know, fair play to him for that. Uh, apart from that, I've been having a chat with Mr. Dave Hughes about how these models could be reused in the role-playing game, and uh, we made a, a little bit of uh, progress with that. So I made a, an addendum to the license application for the miniatures game, which means that the, the gaming pieces for uh, my game could also be reused in the RPG uh, at a later point. Uh, apart from that, the real life, unfortunately, is still the usual grind, so less said about that, the better. And I finally managed to get a permit to Akinar, and I've got no idea how. It just seemed to have... I, I managed to rank up to Surf, and I've now got uh, access. So, that's me. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. The gods of the internet were listening last week and uh, granted your wish. <laughs> yeah, they, they appear to have done so, and I, I do not understand why, because when you look at the wiki, it's normally got to be the fourth rank up. Yeah, maybe Ed pressed the button. 
That'd be very nice of him if he did. I think, though, I think part of the community goal that there was that there was a reduction in the rank required. So it may be part of that. And I don't know if it's permanent or temporary. So I would take full advantage of it just in case it does expire. Yes, and I fully intend to. So Top Shift 50, which I was going to be out this week about the tabletop game, is going to be moved back. And the next Top Shift will be about the trip to Akina, which uh, there's a little bit of controversy about that, that system, apparently. Apparently, it's not how people are expecting it. And there's even a whole petition about it. I have to say, I mean, Alan, Alan's not here, so I'll have to ch- chime in in terms of the law stuff. Um, but the thing about Akana, if I recall from my elite law history, um, is that the reason we have a, a federation and an empire is because some initial settlers found a new system uh, with, a, with an Earth-like world that they thought was really good, so they settled there. And because... Um, you know, they, they'd found this Earth-like world and they, you know, they were able to kind of sustain themselves, that actually when there was politics between these far-flung colonies and the home world of Earth, that actually the, the Imperials decided to go it alone, and, and Akinar was their base for going alone because it was a, a system from which they could kind of survive. And it seems to me very bizarre if they're trying to sort of rewrite elite history so that Akinar is a water world and always has been a water world, it strikes me as a very unlikely place for the Empire to, you know, decide to settle uh, and kind of found there. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of other Earth-likes nearby that would have become the kind of heart of the Empire. Um, so I think I don't think it's necessarily a huge issue i mean i'm not as kind of hung up by um you know the law as, as perhaps i might be but i think that frontier need to do some work on explaining the fiction if akinar is the seat of the empire why would they choose as the seat of the empire such an inhospitable and impractical world to live on i mean i appreciate that some people want it petitioned to be removed back to um, uh, an Earth-like. Um, I did see someone suggesting there could be a community goal to ship um, Hutton mugs sponges. and Hutton sponges uh, <laughs> yeah. and we all go and soak up the oceans and drop them off somewhere. But no, I mean, you know, I think it's... Um, I, I just think Frontier need to do a little bit of work, maybe, if they're, if they're going to establish that the... The, the seat, the heart of the empire, their 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 capital, if you like, very called capital. Um, that they need to explain why, you know, how and why that's the thing. Um, that's that's just my view on it. Well, we've got one or two little fan views that can work in. One, the original emperor liked water, or, or two, he had a thing for mermaids. But we'll leave it for that for the moment and move on. Uh, so we'll cover some development news, I think. Um, this week, we missed, as per usual, uh, the latest stream with the SRV fighting for frontier developments. Um, now, like I said, we I think I was the only one that saw this uh, the stream live because it was happening about half an hour before we went live, and uh, I, I take it everybody's caught up. Yep. Oh yeah. Lovely okay. Video. So, what does everybody think? I mean, I'm assuming that everybody uh, has read the the notes, and we've, we're a week behind, so I'm assuming that the most of the community have caught up. What was your first impressions? Well. I really like it. <laughs> um, it's uh, you know it, it, it looks great. 
Um, and I think it was, there's, you know, one of the little touches that I really liked about it, and I'm sure Frontier will appreciate people noticing this, and I'm, and I'm almost certain I'm not the first person to, to point this out, but actually it was really interesting this time round to see how when you go into take control of the turret weapon on the SRV that you go to a separate camera, and there's a nice little sort of video monitor switching on effect um, with that. Um, but the thing I particularly liked about it is that when you first go to that turret cannon... Before, obviously, all hell breaks loose and you start firing, it really looks like the camera on the top of the Mars rover. If you compare mm, that yeah. video of them going to that, that turret camera to the videos that the Mars rover was sending back, they must have, they must have done that deliberately because the, um, the field of vision is the same. And uh, I don't know whether it's just something inherent in having a camera kind of mounted on top of a wheeled vehicle like that. But to me, I just thought, wow, that they have really tried hard to look at the Mars rover footage and say, how can we make the SRV stuff look like that? Which I think is just, you know, absolutely fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, and I kind of, I know I said last week that the, the, the sort of turret mounted um combat needed to maybe feel a little bit like the the stuff in Batman Arkham Knight with the with the Batmobile and I think actually it you know it looks like it is that sort of thing um, and an- I was laughing as well because there was another little moment that reminded me of Star Raiders 2. I'm going to keep pitching the case for Star Raiders 2 to be a good game <laughs> on Retrolave. Um, but there was that moment where the, the, the hover units kind of jinked to the left and it just yeah. reminded me of the motion of the, the ships in Star Raiders 2. Uh, so hopefully I'm going to be well set for being able to take them on. Ben? I mean, I, I just loved the physics of it all. I, I loved the fact that you could actually see that they were on a much lower gravity world when they were, the way they were driving around, the length of your jumps. You know, ignore the pew-pew stuff. I still, I've still not gotten over them driving. And I just think it looks so much fun to do. You know, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to have races and things like that on down on the, down on the planet. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the buckyball people are there. Think they're already planning routes. <laughs> I think that's the I best way of putting are. it. Yeah, we're going to have our own gumball rally at some point, aren't we? Oh yeah, Grant, what did you think? It looks like. It's another part of the game where I'm not going to be able to shoot shit. Um, but <laughs> it looks yeah, it's funny. Epic. That. Everybody seemed to have a little bit of concern about the fact that how's the hotas going to work? Well, I think I think yeah, it looks like you know it might be one of these particular methods where you're better off with mouse to control the turret. Um, which would be epic and your kind of Grand Theft Auto car keys. I mean, it might call out for being able to do a control profile switch. Or I know you can you can set it up with two, but I think, you know, for the kind of intricate... Intricate? Intricate? Intricate. No, intricate control <laughs> you're going to need to keep that um, SRV on the system on the on the surface. You're going to really need that kind of thing that keys bring. You know that one. That's one point where when you're playing Grand Theft Auto, doing those tight corners and things, you're wanting the ability for the quick adjustments that you can with a keyboard. That a throttle and hot ass the sticks just not going to cut it on that. I don't think it'll be interesting. I'll give it a shot. Um, in fact, it could be quite. It could be quite amazing, actually, now that I think of it on the horse. 
to, yeah. to have that and to use that kind of flight assist off mode to to put your your SRV into into some bizarre positions. But the laser fire looks it, it looked like a movie. Like, you know, I know we we talked about way back in the beginning when Star Citizen released its first bit, uh, bit of gameplay, and we all looked at it, and the graphics were stunning like a movie. And when we looked at the Alpha of Elite, quite there, and now Elite, it's like a movie. <laughs> it's just you know you could essentially plan your scenes and make your own. Uh, background science fiction stuff uh, and now with the planetary landings you're going to be able to have that amazing footage of the, the SRVs they're just it's unbelievable I love it absolutely love it can't wait to do it there was yeah, a bit of, and, oh go on so I was going to say that there was a bit of a moment on the video that I thought was a real tease and I'm sure this is deliberate that they were kind of holding it back so that it's maybe a big reveal for another video or maybe even they won't even show us what it looks like until we get to play it ourselves. I wouldn't be surprised if Frontier do that. Um, but there was... Um, they were demonstrating, obviously, flying the ship over the planet's surface. And uh, there was this moment where the... Uh, I blanked on his name. The, the developer was um, going to... Was Adam. basically What's that? I, Adam, yeah. Was flying down to the surface and he was going to land and deploy the SRV. And I was, I was watching it thinking, oh, we're going to see, we're going to see the SRV deployment. And then they just cut away from the video feed and then didn't cut back to it until he was in the SRV. And I thought, oh, I'd have loved to have seen the landing. I no, really they, they said that, they said that in the, uh, in, Ed was there. Is going well. We're going to keep that for another video. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I must admit, uh, going back to what I was saying about uh, Ben and his anticipation, it's very <laughs> much that kind of tease. You know what I mean? So yeah. well done in, in teasing as you gets. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just so, say I've, um, I've had a message from um, Zach just about the 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 Akinar Waterworld uh, issue. Um, oh, I. Mike, Mike Brooks has it on his list to look at. Uh, and they have read the messages from people. They are aware of it and aware of people's feelings. He hasn't said anything about, um, you know, what that solution is. Uh, or, or uh, you know, I've sort of asked him whether it's something deliberate they're doing or whether it's a side effect of a, a galaxy change, maybe it had an accidental impact. Um, but he just said that they're, they're aware of it. They've read people's messages. Uh, and Mike Brooks has it on the list to look at. Ooh, looks like the Stella Forge might be getting a bit of a poke then. Well, maybe, or it might be. I mean, if my, Michael Brooks is looking at it, then it might be that he's going to, you know, write something in that, that explains it. I don't know. Because the thing that occurred to me when I first saw it is it would be really interesting if Frontier wanted to make a point about letting your polar caps melt, that maybe Akinar had huge polar caps and now the entire planet is underwater. Because that could be a thing. Um, yeah, it could be a thing, and then you could have Kevin Costner and a boat yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, so, yes. What, what, what you're saying there is sometimes it's easier to change the story than it is to rewrite the code. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm a great believer I never in that. would have guessed that one. <laughs> Do you know why um, Lara Croft has a backpack? Oh, go on then. Well, they had a problem with the Lara Croft model. There was a point on the middle of her back that didn't animate properly. I don't know if it's because that game was done in the old days when you couldn't do convex uh, meshes. And apparently they stuck the backpack on to cover up a glitch on the model in the animation. 
That's the only reason it went on. It wouldn't surprise me because <laughs> um, the original, the original Lara Croft model, when I uh, when when you saw it, was basically a very, very, very close to uh, Minecraft, but with a bit more enhancement, obviously, and, and better animation. But it was very blocky. Um, and when you go back to seeing Tomb Raider Anniversary, I must admit you you do notice the improvements a heck of a lot. But that's another game. So, we'll move on uh, to the Sound in Space video that came out, where uh, was it? Jim Croft went through some of the, um, uh, the presentation on, on how to put together the soundscape for Elite Dangerous. Now, did anyone else see this one? Yes, I, must, you know, yeah. I can't remember <laughs> a lot about it, apart from thinking, hey, that was a really good video, really in-depth. I don't think it was Jim Croft, though. It was, some, it no, was somebody it else. No, it, um, it was... It was um, Matthew Florians. Oh, Florians, ah, yeah. Sorry, Matthew. Yes, okay, then, Matthew. Thank you. I, I, I caught bits of this um, earlier, uh, and I must admit, I didn't realise how much the background and the ambient sound of the ship actually makes you more immersive. And it's only when they pointed it out to me that... I began to notice how much work had gone in. Um, I mean, Chris, as the as the sound as our sound expert, um, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, I really, you know, from my point of view, because obviously with the audio drama and stuff, I do spend a lot of my time layering up quite complicated sounds, you know, from quite from sort of individual um, sources. Uh, I think the thing that was interesting to me, which is something that I really don't know anything about at all, is just how much of that is done um, in real time. Uh, and, you know, the way that obviously, because this isn't something that I have to think about, but obviously the um, the game, the, the, the soundscape of the game is responding to real time events that the game engine is generating. Um, and... Uh, for me, you know, that's fascinating. And it's also interesting, you know, just the way that they have little sounds in there that give... Um, they're, they're very sort of specific bits. Because it's not... The thing that's really interesting about it, and I think this is why everyone should go and watch it and appreciate the work that goes into designing any kind of soundscape, but particularly a game soundscape, um, is it's about giving feedback to the player. It's not just about creating something that sounds amazing. Um, this is why... We sort of need to mention in passing that, that Elite Dangerous didn't, unfortunately, win mm. any of its Golden Joystick yeah. Awards, which I think was a shame. And, and Elite absolutely deserved the, the award for... Um, uh, for sorry, Pancake Insulation Station. <laughs> um, Elite <laughs> absolutely deserved the award for um, Best Audio. The audio. Because it's yeah. not just about making something that sounds really impressive it's about giving little sound cues that give feedback to the player about what they're doing and how they're doing uh, and you know it's an important information layer for a game and i think elite does that better than really anything else it's why i'm actually this is one of the reasons i'm struggling to do this stream because i've got the game sounds completely muted and actually with the sound off elite is a really hard game to play I think, whereas, you know, there are other games that you might play that, to be honest, you know, I do quite often um, turn the sound off on games and listen to a podcast or an audio drama instead, because not a lot of other games really make the audio that much of a tool. 
yeah. mean, it's like um, if you've ever... I mean, other games do it in a much more basic way. Like, if you've ever tried playing a first-person shooter with the sound off, you die all the time because you can't hear people coming up behind you. And you'd be surprised mm-hmm. if you're used to playing first-person shooters like with, with sound and stuff, if you try and do it without sound, how much harder it is. And Elite is like that. It gives you all kinds of cues about how your ship is handling, where your opponents are, what kind of environment you're in. Um, and I'm, I think I wouldn't be surprised if... Because we've sort of speculated about the reasons for... Um, current planetary landings only being on airless rocky worlds um and actually the more i see videos like the sound thing and like the planetary landing videos that they were showing um the more i understand how much of a difference having an atmosphere is going to make to elite not only Mm -hmm. in terms of things like the flight model and even just the way the light streams through the atmosphere i mean they were talking on that video about how if you fly up to a planet with an atmosphere you can actually see the atmosphere slightly bending the light from the sun if you do a kind of sunrise thing but if you think about it when you're down on that planet's surface they've got to come up with an entirely new light model for the way light travels through an atmosphere but they've also got to come up with totally different sounds for the way sound travels in an atmosphere and i I have no doubt at all that they will be looking at that and saying how do we make this sound like a a world full of atmosphere and that that is no small undertaking Ah, Ben. Not only that, but also sound will sound differently in different atmospheres, won't it? So yeah, if you're in yeah. like a, a, a nitrogen-rich atmosphere or a oxygen-rich atmosphere or whatever, it's all going to sound totally different, isn't it? Well, I'm not. I, do you know what? I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna stand to be corrected here because my science is not good enough for this. Um, but I believe the difference of sound in atmosphere is purely based on density. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not totally I, I sure that that's... different chemical compositions make a difference. But certainly, the density know. of the atmosphere, because it's all. It's um, sound is compression waves in air. So if you've got a yeah. less dense atmosphere. Um, which might be a result of it being a lighter lighter gas, but generally speaking, I think it's down to density rather than composition. But I, I well, do... I, I'm thinking of well, you know, silly things like when you inhale helium. Now, obviously, that's going into your into your lungs, but it makes things vibrate at different levels, doesn't it? I, I, believe, it that, I believe that helium um, does something funny to your vocal cords that makes them yeah. stretchier. I don't think it actually affects the sound, though. I think it affects your body tissue, which is why I'm always a little bit unhappy about doing it. (laughs) Even though everyone says it's good fun. (laughs) But it's all fun and games until someone loses a throat. Well, no, it it just increases the sort of percentage of the helium, which is a lighter gas in your lungs, so it passes through your vocal cords slightly faster, increasing the pitch, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Well, all I can say about inhaling helium is do not take it straight from the bottle. Take it from the balloon. Ouch. Otherwise, you, <laughs> otherwise you will be calling for help for the paramedics in a, a Mickey Mouse voice, according to, <laughs> <laughs> according to Jason Manford. Uh, I can either confirm or deny this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Starion is now confirming it. It allows the vocal cords to vibrate faster. Because of the less dense, must be less dense, was it? Hence the higher pitch. Mm. So more a denser air would obviously then slow the vocal cords down. Yes, I did promise wild, unqualified speculation. <laughs> mm. 
Well, I mean, one thing that I'm looking forward to when these things happen is what the effect is going to be like when you actually hit atmosphere and when you actually go down to the planet. Because I, I can imagine that they'll do it properly with a proper re-entry and you'll be able to see the fire around the shields and all that kind of stuff. And as a as first time we do it, we'll all be there going, oh, it's fantastic. So I'm looking forward to this people's... Uh, we've got pretty high expectations for this kind of uh, atmospheric planetary approach. So, anybody else got anything to add to that? No? Well, let's move it along a little, and we will discuss the Meet the Team. Mr. Steve Kirby was up for a perusal today from uh, uh, the, the Frontier Developments, a lead game designer. Now, um, it's, ob it's pretty obvious that, uh, this, uh, Steve, it seems to be uh, just your typical elite player who does, likes to do little bits of mad things on the side, such as um, writing parodies, as we've got here, and we've also got fun things about him uh, making his own soft toys in his spare time. Does anybody, uh, the interview, does anybody actually take anything new from what he was saying? No. Nope. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Ah, I think some some of these because um, I think when when we were doing the meet the teams during the the alpha process and the gamma, uh, and this is no disrespect to the people that we've been meeting, it's just that we're now talking. Uh, there's nothing new coming out yet. Maybe as we get you know horizon starting to come, we'll get people that are more critical uh, and you know, it, I don't want to say more interesting, but. I don't know, maybe more exciting rather than interesting, because some of the stuff is interesting to see these guys, to see what they're up to and how they've been involved in the project. But what we want is Horizons! <laughs> Whatever the Horizons. <laughs> tell us about the SRVs. Are you working in the SRVs? Are you? Are you? Oh, well, tell us about it then. And it's just kind of, at first we were desperate for information, and now we're kind of rich in information. We're rich in this, and it makes it really tricky to, to get... Uh, passionately into these uh, otherwise that would have been read and, and read every letter of them. You now kind of skim read them because we're kind of spoiled with information and you do have that dilemma. Do I read this Meet the Team? Is it a particular department I'm interested in or am I in the middle of a community goal? Should I be mining? Should I be bounty hunting? Should I be involved in the war at And it really is uh, they're competing with the game time. So do I play the game or do I read your development log well, your development logs about Horizons. I'm really excited about that, so I'm definitely going to look at that. And then Horizons will come out. We'll get some more weeks where it's interesting, and then we'll get to the point where you're kind of feeling it's like that light article is going. They're going through the motions, and the meet the teams is a wonderful section. But at the moment, we're so rich with information that it's difficult to kind of get really enthusiastic about them. In my opinion, <laughs> so is, 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 so, is, now, is now a good time to mention the uh, Planet Coaster Dev Diary then. <laughs> yes, because that is actually very exciting about the future of Elite Dangerous, I think. 
Well, just just before we carry, we, we move on to that, I'll just point out that um, Mr. Kirby is in charge of uh, doing community goals. So if if he feels offended by anything that Grant has said, I'm quite sure he could arrange a community goal to um, go after any psycho cow or insulted <laughs> person on this radio. To be honest, if, if they think, you know, after the success of Hutton Orbitals, let's face it, it should have been the one community goal that would be destined to fail, never mind succeed greatly. It is something that we could say to me, like, go on, do your worst, we'll take it on. And I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Don't say that, Grant. Don't say it. Let's poke that luck monkey right in his eyes. Um, but no, I mean, they're just they're competing with information and from other sources, and, and it is very difficult for it to remain that real attention grabber. So I have to confess that a lot of times, um, and, and even when I should be reading them with great interest and detail for the show, I tend to skim read it and see if there's anything that grabs my attention with the full intentions of going back to analyse it for the show. And then it's Tuesday and already it's too late. So there's just so much for us to try and keep our minds on at the moment. And yeah, I find that the Meet the Team kind of slips down my priority list a little bit. Yeah. It's nice fluff, but it is fluff, and I I love reading them. I love finding out about these other developers who are basically you know putting a nice human face on Frontier, which is awesome, and that's a good thing for Frontier to do. But it's fluff. Yeah, but equally, we are all very involved and very busy and 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 preparing stuff from other points of views. And I suppose our time does come down to priorities with real life and your game life, and then your sort of your creations, your dockers, the you know the the various different Hutton Orbital. They all take those slices of time, and so I might be speaking from a point of view of someone who has too much going on. Uh, in which case, these are the things that are slipping off my list of attention. So. They are really great, great articles, as you say, and the community spotlights as well. But it just seems to be at the moment everything's coming hell for leather. The community goals are, are there's no gaps, and then of course civil war in Hutton. So all the things that we were interested in, we wanted to help with the station being built in the nebula. We wanted to be involved in the the war, civil war, to try and help us expand. So we've got that particular thing. Then we've got the Hutton uh, Gimp going on, which is the mug proliferation, which is delivering mugs to various different places for a competition which runs till January. And all these things require us to keep track of them. So it just, just probably from my point of view, I've got other things that are slightly more of a priority than the meet the devs as much as they used to be fantastic and great entertaining. I think they're competing now. They're competing against things that they didn't have to compete with before. And they say there's nothing to do. (laughs) So do you want to talk about the Planet Coaster? Oh, I do. I mean, Sorry, I was just typing, I was typing instructions to you in Skype. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just, you know, they did the first dev diary for um, Planet Coaster. And I think there are a few interesting things that came out of it. Um, there was, well, one of the most interesting things is that they've not, they've not run a Kickstarter um, for Planet Coaster in the same way that they did for uh, Elite Dangerous. And I think they really gained a lot and uh, your frontier will you know have said in the past i know that the kickstarter feels a little bit like ancient history now um but i think frontier feel like um 
there was lots of good stuff in the Kickstarter for them in terms of building community, in terms of getting people to buy into the product, and in terms of the kind of behind-the-scenes following. So they've tried to replicate that with their current offering um, in the the Frontier store. So you can go in... um, and you you can go into the Frontier store and you can you can buy the basic game, you can buy the game with access to beta, you can buy the game with access to uh, oh dear, I'm going to have to try and bring up the webpage without killing the rest of my stream. Um, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can kind of get now from the Frontier store that is very similar to the sorts of things that you might offer as rewards in a Kickstarter. And I think what Frontier are trying to do, and I think it's a really positive thing, is to try and replicate that Kickstarter vibe. Um, maybe without, you know, because obviously people talk about how great the comments channel was um for for the elite dangerous kickstarter but they've obviously not got that but they've got their own fairly well established forums and community site now but i think they are trying to build a vibe around planet coaster that is that is not dissimilar to to kickstarter Mm. it's good to see that there's more to one string to frontier's bow uh, and it's it's nice to see that the polish is of that we've seen in Elite Dangerous is moving on onto other projects as well. Hmm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one develops in time. I, th- I think they I have must all- admit. Yeah, I think that I think they have always done a lot of stuff, um, but I think the, the the size of the games that they're doing in terms of the visibility of them and in terms of how much they're putting into them, I, I think is I think they're upping upping the scale. You know, Elite's been a huge game for them. I think they want Planet Coaster to be another huge game for them. For them, and I think you know some of the other stuff they've done maybe over previous years is a bit of a. Uh, has been a bit more of a kind of jobbing, you know, sort of day-to-day type of game development, um, and obviously working on their own own tech a little bit. But I mean, you know, they've they've done uh, what I think is quite is becoming quite a typical frontier approach, uh, which is their first dev diary. They were straight in talking about tech. <laughs> tech and simulation yeah. um, and I think it's I, I don't I don't really worry about it because I know that what Frontier will do is is use the interesting things that come out of simulation to build gameplay but if, if you if you haven't seen it do go and find the um, the Planet Coaster uh, dev video it's basically they're talking about the mechanics of crowd simulation and they're talking about how they're simulating crowds differently to how other games simulate crowds and the reason for that being i presume lessons learned from elite dangerous is that they are looking at how gameplay changes when you look at something on a big scale like a whole park down to zooming all the way in on an individual visitor to your park and i think they want each individual person in your crowd to be an individual character who does different things and is worth kind of looking at and following um whereas i think maybe previous park management games there's been you know they've been they've ended up being a bit generic i mean even with the wildest of variety most games end up with sort of 10 or 15 different types of visitors. So it would be interesting to see what they're doing with it. Uh, and it was really fascinating to watch how they're, they're programming the game. They're programming people to act like crowds, not like dots in a particle simulation. I thought, well, I want to actually turn it round on its head. And you know, I think it's awesome they're doing all this in, in Cobra, basically. Can you think of anything maybe a couple of years down the line... 
after Planet Coaster is released that could use crowd simulation? Tell me they can't take the data that they've got and the lessons learned they've got from one place and put it into something else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I, I think that technology. That's so it? exciting. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be. I mean, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if, because you know, at the moment, inside the space stations, and I have to confess, this isn't an original thought. You've prompted me to think of this, but obviously, inside the stations at the moment, we can see vehicles moving around um, little gantries. It wouldn't surprise me if, Boring. in a little while, we don't start seeing people walking past windows and milling around on the surface of the space stations. That'd be really interesting. Yeah, doing the actual docking and you know, getting unloading and loading <laughs> your ship. Or at least refueling it and things. Yeah, quite. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> we want Jack Sofalos and Co. outside of your Anaconda land or something. Oh, no, you wouldn't that want would that. Be a oh, would that would be a scary thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm so surprised that they haven't blown up uh, Boston base already, to be honest. <laughs> Ah, right. Well, we'll move we'll move along a little bit to um, well the latest dev update, and we can we can also you know discuss the uh, the sneak the peek uh, gameplay that Mister Braben seems to be placing on on the streams every now and again just to get people slavering at the mouth. Uh, I mean, did anybody think that there was something new in the latest dev update that we heard from Mister Brooks? I, I especially like the fact that he's now pointing out about different kinds of points of interest and different kinds of loot. It is just a big, massive teasing exercise, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. doing a wonderful way of whipping our excitement up and getting us all desperate to get into Horizons, but they, didn't need, they don't need to do any more. They just have to show that video. And so the next week's dev update should just be another video of that to SRV video just showing us so we can all go, <laughs> I so want to have a shot. That looks like so much fun. So again, they are, they're being very careful to give us hints but not say anything different just to keep us all frustrating. They're putting us back into the F5 hammering zombies <laughs> that we were way back during the sort of alpha and gamma stages. But it yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that they're now saying that they've got... Well, we've seen in the sneak peek the man-made constructs where uh, we saw them racing through a, through a base, uh, some kind of mining base, which basically got everybody going, oh, have you seen that? Uh, but it, it then goes on a point. It goes on to discuss the points of interest, which could be just crash trading vessels and cargo canisters. And then he teases us with the ultimate one, which is there are points of interest that don't neatly fit into the above groupings. We can leave them for you to discover for yourselves, which sort of just makes you go, "How oh, you get <laughs> big sandworms." <laughs> Yes, that's right. Grant would like a big sandworm to eat his ship like an Empire Strikes Back. There you go. <laughs> There's a community goal for him. <laughs> Actually, do you think as part of Horizons we're going to get bigger and more varied asteroids? Because, you know, they're all... I don't, they're not samey-samey, but... You know, there's no really big asteroids or anything like that that you could, say, park an Imperial Clipper into. Well, when you, th when you think about it, these they've got some planetoids coming up in Horizons, which are going to be effectively big asteroids. I mean, mm. Pluto's only four thousand, was it six thousand miles across? 
It's absolutely tiny. So, I mean, that you technically you could say that's one of the biggest asteroids in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, bracing myself for a whole load of people coming in saying, no, it's a planet, no, it's a planetoid. <laughs> I'm not getting involved in that. I don't have the astronomi- uh, astronomical know-how to back it up. Not but, astrological. You know, I... Is it maybe just a small moon? That's no That's moon. That's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh... Well, um... Touching on all that stuff, we also go into the latest newsletter, which, um, as well as going over uh, the dev uh, newsletters that we've had so far, we unfortunately know that we didn't manage to get anything in the golden joysticks, which um, I think we can all agree was they was robbed. I can't comment on that exactly because I haven't played the game that won the sound, nah. so I don't know if it's you a really can, good game or not. You can comment on it. They was robbed. <laughs> yes. Oh, they, I, they I think was. they was, but, but I haven't played the other game. It might have the best sound ever. That's not likely, is it? I mean, that's the thing, you know, that, that's what I think Alien Isolation has great atmospheric music and that wonderful sort of dynamic background sound, but when you, maybe again it comes down to the knowledge and getting to see these videos showing how the sound's done, it gives you that real, real strong appreciation how amazing the Elite Dangerous sounds are and how subtle they are and... Yeah, it's it's horrific that they they didn't win it. This uh, an injustice. We demand a recount. <laughs> yeah. and, and in case yeah, um, same referee that Scotland did. Ooh, yeah, and, in, and, no. and in case in, ca- in case Simon's glass is running dry, I'm going to mention Chaos Reborn um, because unfortunately <laughs> Chaos Reborn missed out on their. Um, uh, a golden joystick award as well, and of course lost out to Kerbal Space Program. But frankly. I think everyone's lost out to Kerbal Space Program um, because yeah. it's just such a juggernaut of a game. And again, it goes back to the point that um, the uh, you know Chaos Reborn isn't finished, and that it makes it does make you wonder how the, the kind of selection process for the um, Golden Joysticks works. Because if you can have a game nominated that's still in early access and isn't even finished you know, at the time, um, then it's a bit weird, because then, we'll, you know, will these games be eligible, um, you know, another year? I suspect not. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm afraid to say I was, I also voted for Chaos Reborn. Simon, another drink, please. Um, uh, we, I, I think, uh, you know, you're always disappointed when the ones that you you really hope will get recognised. It's uh, you know, it's it's a shame. But uh, yeah, we've also noticed that the um, we've got new digital items coming to the Frontier uh, store, most, mostly bobbleheads, and how you can actually uh, uh, gift them to other people. So I think everybody might be sending Crash a bobblehead. <laughs> in the near future. Have we not uh, got the tactical uh, hair pack yet? The tactical hair pack? <laughs> no, I think they're still working on that one, aren't they? <laughs> oh, goodness yeah. me. Sorry, a huge, huge anaconda just flew straight past my cockpit. Very close indeed. And sideways. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they, I think they're taking in turns to, to buzz my uh, cockpit because I'm hosting the uh, <laughs> hosting the stream. <laughs> 
<laughs> Just to make sure that you're trying to crash live radio, are you? You horrors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, keep, I keep feeling bad because I keep locking onto a player that's hanging around outside Lave Station, but he's keeping his distance because he's wanted and he's got a bounty on him. <laughs> so I keep, I keep <laughs> clicking on him and then being like, oh, God, no, don't show everyone that. Uh, one of the images went, that went absolutely viral this year was the one from VG247 about the, the gentleman who, who unfortunately went between two sons. Mm. Did you ever see the cartoon? I did I see the cartoon, that's good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a meme right there. Everything is fine. This is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's funny actually, because I wrote when, because obviously I'm, I'm going to talk about Escape Velocity in a minute, but um, when, when we wrote Escape Velocity, I was kind of writing about the, the idea that flying between trying to do a fuel scoop in a binary system is a really bad idea. And I got a few messages yeah. from people saying, of course, you know, the science of it is that, um, uh, you know, actually fuel scooping around a binary system isn't dangerous at all because they're so far apart. And actually, I think. <laughs> The game has kind of borne me out as saying there are some binary systems that um, are actually really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Chris, would you like to talk about escape velocity and the latest news that we've got with that? Oh, I would like to talk about escape velocity. I'm just very quickly going to give a shout out to the the Chaos Reborn Kickstarter, um, which is at <laughs> tinyurl.com forward slash chaos audio, because we are. £85 away from making our initial target. Woo! I should, have a, I should have a sound effect queued up for applause and cheers and things, um, but I'm not as prepared as Grant. Um, and yeah, basically, so that will be, you know, if we hit that first target, that is episode one, that is definitely happening, and then, you know, we're into stretch goals. And so bear in mind that this has only been, this Kickstarter has been running since the beginning of last week. So we've had one week and we're already one episode funded. So I'm really hopeful that we're going to be able to get some more people interested and that we're going to get this up to uh, multiple episodes. And the thing that's great is, okay, I'm going to put this in as a rush. <laughs> So that you all run in and get it. The um, the current USB uh, pledge tier for the Chaos Reborn Kickstarter, that's going to go up slightly once we hit the target and once I get round to editing the Kickstarter. Hint, hint, it won't happen straight away. Um, that will go up because that USB pledge level is for the entire series that gets funded through Kickstarter. So if you pledge it now when there's only one episode and we manage to get to three episodes you get all three of them. Um, so what I want to kind of impress upon people is that um, the what I, what I really want is I want new backers to come on board. I'm not asking for people who are already backers to go on and jaunty up and increase their pledge level uh, to more expensive things. I would really genuinely like to see more people you know, come onto the project and discover Chaos Reborn and discover the fantasy full cast audio drama that we're going to be producing. Anyway, teasing long enough, I'm going to talk about Escape Velocity. Uh, so let me, this is where it all goes horribly wrong. Have I not even set it up? Uh, okay, bear with me a minute. Um, so. Uh, for a minute, guys. Yeah, I might actually, uh, I need to just play around with OBS for a minute to bring up the information sheets. Um, so, yes, Escape Velocity. So, um, for those of you who haven't been sort of following the story, um, Escape Velocity was on hiatus for a little while because I was working on the Elite Dangerous audiobooks, and then there was question marks over whether we'd be able to produce it as, a, as an official Elite product, um, and we haven't really had any movement on that. But what we can do is we can continue Escape Velocity as an unofficial audio drama, and we can raise money to make the series uh, through Patreon. 
so this is a slightly different beast than um, Kickstarter. For those of you that haven't encountered Patreon, you basically pledge an amount of support per episode. I, I really want to stress that because um, I don't want someone to go on and think, yes, I'll pledge the you know the amount that, that I'm prepared to um, uh, give for. Uh, uh, escape velocity and then realize that actually the, the site will try and take that for every episode that i release um so do do have a think about that um what's happening is that patreon campaign is going live this saturday and on sunday from 12 p.m so that's midday greenwich mean time until midnight greenwich mean time i'm going to be doing a 12 hour live twitch stream to do two things one is to kind of celebrate escape velocity uh to do some interesting things talking about the series and, and hopefully answering people's questions um and also to raise money to make the new series and not just the new series what i'm looking at is we want to keep escape velocity going and we want to make it a great ongoing serial that, that people can keep coming back to um so oh hopefully that's worked um so we've got um yeah, so we've got the live live stream on on Sunday. Um, the things that I will be doing on the live stream. So let me uh, do, just pull in another another image here. Um, oh, while you're doing that, can I give a shout out to Commander Marketus, who has just gone on to pledged, and apparently there is twenty six pounds left now. Oh, brilliant! Fantastic! Thank you all very much. Really appreciate it, uh, and it's going to be a great series. And I'm actually currently working on getting some examples of the physical rewards because I think they're going to look really nice. Um, and there are actually, for those of you that haven't got Chaos Reborn and would like to, and don't mind waiting until the Kickstarter finishes to get a license, some of the pledge tiers do come with a copy of the game so you can get stuck in as well. But anyway, Escape Velocity. So I've put up the details here. This is a sort of uh, general timetable for the day. Um, one of the things I'm going to be doing is taking my ship and doing a bit of a tour around the locations that are used in Escape Velocity. Now, this is going to be a really interesting uh, experiment. Um, I'm not... I'm not going to practice it <laughs> before we get to the stream day i have had a look around the star map in elite dangerous to look for some of the locations that were used in elite dangerous uh, in sorry in escape velocity and to see what the current status of them is um and i think it's going to be a really interesting tour because there are some significant changes there are some systems that aren't even there there are some systems that are there and seem to have gained planets um and <laughs> so it, because, you know, for those of you that have heard Escape Velocity, um, it was written before any of us had even got our hands on Elite Dangerous. And really, it was written based on Frontier Elite 2. So that's why the current time setting of the series is 3245. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what those differences are, uh, not just in the actual physical geography of the way the game's changed but actually there are some journeys that in frontier elite 2 look really easy that actually in elite dangerous are much more difficult so that's going to be going on um you can see from the timetable that i've put up uh, on on twitch if you're if you're following there um there's there's various points where i'm doing different things and it says that the escape velocity tour begins at one o'clock I'm not sure, I don't know how long it's going to take, um, and I'm going to be coming back to it 
throughout the course of uh, throughout the course of the day. So there are various other things going on, um, uh, and um, uh, you know. So basically, what's happening is twelve o'clock when it starts. Very kindly, Zach and Ed from Frontier uh, are joining me to help me kick off the the stream. Ding 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 ding. Hello, we are funded twenty five zero two. Hey! Well, thank you all well very done, much. Everybody. That is absolutely awesome. Um, super mega shout out to Alien, apparently. Oh, fantastic! Thank you very much, Alien. Uh, Brilliant, Commander Brave. So let me. I'm going to have to go and... in the Twitch stream. Has just added an extra ten dollars. <laughs> just added what? Just added ten dollars per episode for his Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's so, so so yes, thank you all very much for that. That is absolutely brilliant. So that is that makes me now have to do a whole lot of work because there's a whole load of things I need to do now. The goal's been reached. Uh, so it's gonna be a late night for me. But um <clears throat> uh yeah, that's really thrown me. Uh absolutely fantastic. Thank you all very much. Sorry, uh, that was that was exciting news and I figured I had to interrupt you, I'm sorry. Yeah, no no, that's fine. I'm I'm looking for some way that I can kind of share the uh Kickstarter page on um Twitch. And I have absolutely no idea how to do it. Oh, no, here we go, here we go, hang on. Uh, 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 window capture, window capture. There it is. Oh, uh, sort of, okay. Oh, it's showing all my tabs. Hopefully I don't have any embarrassing donkey porn going on in the background. Um, so, sorry, that's not likely. <laughs> I'm joking. Um... Yeah, fantastic. Thank you all very much. Sorry, that's really thrown me. Uh, Thank you so much for the people that are watching tonight that have helped push that up over the edge. Thank you to everyone that's pledged to support it so far. That is absolutely fantastic. Uh, And I will be producing lots of news uh, for that Kickstarter. Oh, it's gone up again. Fantastic. Um, I'll be producing loads of news uh, for the development of that series. And I'm looking at... um, uh, I'm looking at really cool rewards basically for people that are backers of the uh, um, the Kickstarter and the other thing that I really want to do because I'm aware that there are some people that are going to probably quite a lot of people who are going to end up backing the Chaos Reborn audio series and Escape Velocity I do also want to do something and make like do like a proper thing uh, for people who are fans of, of both and backers of both so that's something I will be figuring out soon um, probably not in time for this weekend but maybe um, so thank you all very much that's fantastic um, so back to the stream uh, day um, so yeah Zach and Ed are coming on uh, right at the beginning to help me f- sort of find my feet and um, get it kind of uh, uh, get it kind of going and then at one o'clock I'm going to start my grand tour uh, and if I don't have time to finish it before we get on to the next thing We'll be coming back to it. Uh, Three o'clock. I'm talking Chaos Reborn again already. Um, Julian Gollop has very kindly agreed to join me for an hour for this stream. Um, Obviously, we're going to be promoting the Chaos Reborn Kickstarter again, but we're also... I'm going to be streaming, I think, probably the... um, 
the the realm uh, exploration because we've streamed quite a lot of matches uh, and in terms of things like chaos champs that um, John Stabler and myself do uh, we, we've done quite a lot of that so we're going to be looking at the the realms and I'm going to be interviewing Julian Gollop about the game um, and for those of you that don't know Julian Gollop is the creator of uh, games like Laser Squad Rebel Star the original XCOM and he's just a, a phenomenal guy and um, his approach to game design is really interesting and I'm, I'm i'm personally really excited to find out uh, some of the answers to the questions i'm going to be asking him uh, about chaos reborn which obviously i could ask him at any time but um I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for the stream. Um, then at four o'clock, we've got uh, the first of our Escape Velocity actors coming in and joining me for uh, a sort of interview and a chat about Escape Velocity-related stuff. So I've got Rebecca Keeves, who was uh, Lorand in Series 1 uh, of Escape Velocity. Uh, she'll be coming in at four o'clock. And then later down the line at six o'clock, uh, I've got Liam McCauley coming in, who played uh, Dallas. Um, and they're not going to be there, you know, they're going to be there for about an hour. So as you can probably see from this, I do have a few gaps still in the timetable. I'm going to fill these by Sunday. We're going to, I'm going to have more guests and people on. Um, at seven o'clock, this is, at seven o'clock, I'm going to be doing something a bit different. I, I've been thinking about, um, how you kind of write video game inspired fiction. And people ask me questions about, kind of adapting games for for fiction and um, people ask me questions about how i got into it and i had a moment of kind of revelation the other day when i realized what the first game was that um inspired me to write video game fiction so at seven o'clock i'm going to be streaming that game for an hour I'm not going to tell you what it is um it's a game that really just captured my imagination and it was, it was the first time I, I, got a, I got a workbook out and I started writing my own stories based on the setting of that game. Um, so we'll be talking about that on Sunday and hopefully Alan will be able to join me for that. I know he's got uh, some difficult stuff going on at the moment, uh, but hopefully Alan will be joining me and we'll be talking a bit about developing video game fiction. The only clue I'm going to give you for what that game is, uh, if I can find it... Uh, oh dear, you don't want to see me. <laughs> um, so it's going to involve a little bit of talk about Tron, and it's going to involve a little bit of talk about inner space, and I am going to leave that with you there. So um, then after that, uh, the last of our actors to come on, we're going to be joined by Amy Timms, who plays May throughout the series, uh, and who is thankfully uh, very excited and keen to come back for ongoing Escape Velocity episodes, despite the fact that she's now gone away to university. Uh, but we will work out recording stuff and we'll get her back so that May's journey with Thane can continue. And then at nine o'clock... In a change to what we sometimes do, I am going to be the Games Master for a game of the Elite Encounters RPG. Dave Hughes is joining us as a player, uh, and I'm going to see what kind of escape velocity magic I can work into uh, an, an, an Elite Encounters RPG. And then the whole thing is going to wrap up with me being very tired at midnight. But that's not all, uh, because throughout the stream... Uh, I am going to be auctioning off the surviving director's scripts of Escape Velocity. So the, these are my personal scripts that I sat and worked with um, throughout the production of all the Escape Velocity episodes. Um, 
they've got handwritten notes in they've got coffee stains on um and there are off the top of my head there are 10 of them there should be 10 of them left i gave one of them away uh for dave hughes for one of his charity streams so there should be 10 scripts which i'm going to be auctioning off to whoever wants them throughout the course of that stream um and um that and that will i'm going to do them in reverse order so we're going to start with the last script and we're going to culminate with the at the end of the evening with an auction for the very 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 first escape velocity script um and i read somewhere that when you have um antiques (laughs) that have mistakes on them they are more valuable than antiques which are correct and up to date uh, and i can say that the original script for escape velocity is was so hot off the press i hadn't even called the series escape velocity then so it still has its old title on the front and it actually has a couple of other mistakes in it uh, that have since been cor- that have been corrected in the digital version uh, but on the paper version they are still wrong so that is one of a kind Uh, and plus throughout the stream if i can figure out how to do stream giveaways uh, i'll be giving away badges and uh, the escape velocity badges and hopefully some other stuff as well so that's the escape velocity stream day Um, i'm really excited about doing it partly because i'm i'm as you can probably tell i'm really new to streaming um and um and it's just exciting to be playing lots of really dangerous for you guys on the stream talking about escape velocity which is something i absolutely love uh, and getting to talk to lots of people i really like talking to um so yeah so that's sunday the 8th of uh november begins at 12 midday greenwich mean time and finishes at midnight greenwich mean time uh, so i do hope some of the american fans will be able to join us uh, for some of that so uh where are we, Colin? Well, we, I, I think we, if anybody has any, uh, any protests, I'd like to move on to the community corner that uh, has been happening lately. And the f- latest thing that has been announced has been a Name That Station, which has uh, just, I think it's just gone up in the last couple of days, where we've got a... I think it was uh, today, actually, in fact. Was it, was it today? Oh, no, sorry, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Um... Uh, Zach put up a uh, uh, a request for names for the Among the Stars community goal to build the station in the Nebula, and uh, I think at the moment the fav- running favourite at the moment is a tribute to Obsidian Ant, who it was his videos and his pushing for the uh, for the station in the Nebula Nebula. Um, uh, that, that started off the whole community goal process. Uh, it seems to be taking on a life is, of its own with uh, <laughs> 18 pages worth of, of comments. So uh, I, I think this is one of the things to show that Frontier is really beginning, well, not really beginning, but is, is engaging with its community in a far more proactive way than it used to. Oh, is that true? Well, yeah, I'm beginning to think so. Um, I, I do feel that in the last, uh, last sort of three, four months, the amount of interaction has, has, has gone up a little bit more. I think they've... 
I think, to be fair to them, I think they've understood, because of all the things that the Frontier have been doing up to this point, they now understand how to put things out to the community and, and ask for stuff back that can then go back into the game in a meaningful way. Um, I, I think before that, you know, they, they didn't really necessarily know... You know, they were sort of finding their feet with it a bit. But I think, you know, on the basis that, you know, off the back of the Kickstarter, they did things like the DDF, which was essentially mm. asking for people's input on game design features. And let's not remember, I mean, the famous one we always quote is that the game only has Super Cruise at all because the people in the DDF didn't like the proposal that Frontier put forward for moving around um, solar systems. So Super Cruise is something that entirely came out of the fact that when Frontier said, we're going to do this when you get in system, people said, that's a rubbish idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think, you know, they have fundamentally changed the game design based around, uh, you know, input from the community. So I think think they have always been keen to have community involvement in content. But I think, I agree with you, I think they're getting better at it. And I think they're getting better at putting lots of things out to the community and being able to kind of handle it and deal with it in a sensible way um and that's really that's really positive i mean that's um and whether that's down to the fact that the you know the community team now is bigger than it has ever been in the time that i've been involved with uh frontier or whether that's because the development processes and the way that the game can be modified um you know with new content you know or maybe it's maybe it's a bit of both um and yeah it's really you know it's really positive and i think we'll only see more and more and more of it because uh, it's a great way of keeping people interested and engaged quite uh quite so um <laughs> this hosting stuff is not as easy as it sounds uh well on the subject of community uh the community man manager edward lewis was being educated he started off a new uh, weekly stream, which is Educating Ed. And the first episode was out last week of How to Be a Fuel Rat. Now, did anybody else see this? Because I thought it was hilarious. I have to confess, I haven't had a chance to get catch up on it yet. Uh, it's sort of somewhere on my bucket list of things that I really want to try and watch. <laughs> So just me then. I, I, yeah, no, I, I have seen it, but I, I've been talking for a long time, and I didn't want it to be the the uh, Chris Jarvis show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that that really struck me is how dedicated these fuel rat guys are. Because um, I mean, I must admit, with the way that they they actually down the 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 build of their ship, so that they are just flying fuel tanks. I think is is phenomenal, uh, and, and it just goes to show the dedication that they've got. Um, so it was it was just a, a eye opening sight to this kind of uh, fan service that I just wish I'd chosen a completely different phrase then. But this phrasing, <laughs> yeah, phrasing. Thank you, Archer. Um, this kind of um, community led service, which would which helps other players for really not much reward for themselves apart from uh, the amount of I don't know, a, do they run a scorecard saying I've done 4,000 rescues, I've done 3,000 records, I don't know Yeah, it, it is pretty phenomenal actually and um and I think, you know, it was, it was a really entertaining stream, again it's another thing that, I know some people have said that um, 
they, they may be struggling to find Frontiers videos on their on their YouTube page. Um, I, I, I struggled on their YouTube homepage, but if you go to Frontiers channel and click on videos, then obviously you can see the videos they've posted in chronological order, and it's quite a recent one. And it is, you know, even if it's not, as kind of big and full of revelations as the kind of dev videos or some of the other behind the scenes stuff it's a really entertaining show to watch Ed going and flying with these guys um, if I have if I have one criticism because you know me I always like to um, include a uh, <laughs> a criticism <laughs> along along with everything I think is great um, I think that some aspects of the video are, for me, highlighted the weakness in the Wings system. I'm going to keep going on about this. I still think that Wings has its problems. I think it has its problems in terms of networking, and I think it has its problems in terms of design. And I'm really hoping that Frontier haven't just kind of left Wings as it is, and that, that's that's now done, and they're going to just kind of leave it be. Um, because the whole process showing these fuel rats, it's very entertaining watching how these guys have learned to adapt the way the game works, so that they can find a player and go and rescue them. Yeah. But I have to say, to, for me watching it, and I don't know how I don't know how Ed felt playing it, and I wouldn't want to speak for him. Um, it felt really clunky. The whole process of finding a player, actually putting them on your friends list, then having to kind of create a wing with them, which let's be fair, doesn't always work, um, yeah. and then kind of fly to their location, try and drop out on their beacon. It, it just to me, it just felt really inelegant, and I think that the best things in game design are the ones which are actually really the really simplistic mechanisms. And I appreciate that kind of linking together hundreds of thousands of players in a universe is not an easy undertaking. So I'm not saying that Frontier haven't done something that they should have kind of knocked off in 20 minutes, um, but I'd really like to see Frontier go back to the drawing board with the way you can connect with players and, and the way the wings work because it just seems broken a lot of the time um, yeah, and it's a real shame and I think that I think that video highlighted some of the weaknesses in it yeah I think I think uh, one of the weaknesses that we saw there was um, I, I do believe that you and Alan went bounty hunting after somebody somebody had uh, had yeah. hold of you <laughs> and the fact that you actually had to become friends with the person who'd greet yeah. you in order to actually track him down that's right. I think that that kind of thing for player bounty hunting although I would like to see it in the game I do think that's that kind of process which which links into this this kind of um, how do you you attach to a, a player that you're not really friends with but you want to help them out and I think that is one big gaping hole that they're going to have to fill at some point. Yeah, no, 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 no. I agree, I agree with you absolutely. Yeah, yeah. To, to have to actually add someone to your friends list to go and hunt them for a bounty is insane. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just. I mean, it's it's fun Maybe if people are up nemesis for nemesis list or something. Yeah, it would just be it would just be good if there was a way of finding and connecting with players in-game without the friends list being the be-all and end-all. Um, some sort of way you could... I mean, a bit like the... You sort of have it a little bit with the bounties, where you say the top bounties and where these people were last seen. It would just be nice if there was another way of linking into um, stations uh, and kind of finding players another way. Or even... I mean, Frontier Elite... Sorry, Frontier Elite 2 
had a system where when you were looking for a ship on your kind of uh, solar system map you could see dots that gave you um, ship masses so if you were looking for a particular ship you could at least say well this one here that's a 200 ton ship it's not that because I'm looking for a, a crate and you could kind of narrow down using gameplay methods to work out what the ship was you were looking for. Now, whether that would work in Elite Dangerous, if 90% of the players are flying around in Cobras, that's not really going to help you. But um, it would, I'd, I'd just like to see some gameplay in there in terms of being able to locate people and, and flying to their location. Yeah, maybe something like tracker drones or things like that. You know, mm. the good ma- the good old Batman tracker, tracker <laughs> batarang that seems to be and the shark, uh, it seems to be very popular in Arkham yeah. Arkham Knight. Um, that that could be a, a something that they could implement quite easily, I think. But well, easier than other options, so to speak. But um, yeah, it, it, we do know that. I think so that's something for them to look at. I, I think the issue with it is that without because they've wanted to instance people who are friends together, the instancing system prioritises people who are friends. Um, so it's very difficult to know if you just want to stick out a beacon and say I need help. It's very different. It's very hard for Frontier to know which players need to see that beacon, and I think that's the heart of the problem. But I think there just there must be another solution, and I, I just I really hope Frontier are working on it, and that this issue hasn't been put aside in favour of kind of just moving on into the future. Now, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm afraid to say, everybody, uh, we're going to have to call it uh, a night earlier today. So, does anybody want to give it the shout-outs to? Uh, the people who have been hanging around in Leave Station with you, Chris? <laughs> well, well, I, I want to say another huge thank you to everybody, everyone who pledged to the uh, Chaos Reborn Fiction Kickstarter this evening. Absolutely fantastic. We're up to 2,558 now, um, so I need to go and do uh, updates and put up information about stretch goals. Uh, and I really hope that as well as um, backing the project, the people will just share the link around. Um, because really, as, as I say, I really want... I want to see that number of backers go up uh, and not necessarily people coming back and, um, well, you know, if people want to pledge higher because there's something they want, that's great. My point is I don't want to completely raise the um, the target here uh, by by people kind of jaunting and upping their own pledge. I want to see lots of people coming and listening to these audio dramas because they're going to be great. And thank you all very much. Right then, well... Uh, Sorry, you asked me about who's in-game. Um, yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm actually having this slight problem with the game this evening. Um, I've been flying around and sort of scanning uh, the ships that are that are here, but every now and again I seem to lose people's names and I have to re-scan them. Um, so bear oh, with me. Nice. We have... <laughs> of course. Of course it is. We have Commander Upper Bottom. We have Commander Freedom. We have Commander Dissington. We have a Cobra Mark III. Yep, uh, Commander Teneborian. We have Commander E-Pilot 007, Commander Airhead, Commander Aziron. And we have police forces who are my friend, because everybody loves oh. me in Lave. Well, as, as they should. You're the entertainment manager. You've got to keep them happy. 
With that, we'll say thank you very much to, to Chris, to Grant, and to Ben. And that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at Lave Radio, uh, Facebook slash Lave Radio, or at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Skype channel by adding Fuzzle 101 to your Skype cha- uh, contacts. Or you could join the TeamSpeak server, which where commanders come to hang out and chat at laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 12... Th- at 8.30, and is streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to all those commanders that have joined us in Lave Station, in the Twitch stream, and in the IRC chat. Until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Would you like to pizza? Pop.